For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast, and we are coming at you here on a Thursday evening, a night after the Los Angeles Clippers beat the Los Angeles Lakers once again. As Ty Lue continues to just win against the Lakers. Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus, joined by my co-host Matt Matawarren at Matt Matawarren on Twitter. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports Ethos, Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus. How the heck are you? Myself, I'm doing great. Really, really enjoyed the game last night, obviously, because it resulted in a win. But I loved what I saw on the floor, and I'm sure we're going to get into it in great detail. Yes, we will, as we previewed this game, and we said how important it was that the Clippers win this. Frankly, it was a must-win game if the Clippers wanted to avoid the play-in. And we saw a team that, Looked like a team that had three days of rest versus a team that had played the night before against the Utah Jazz. As the scheduling gods finally did the Clippers a favor. And I'm going to be throwing out some stats throughout this podcast. And I want to give credit to the people who have thrown out these stats. And the first one is courtesy of my friend Joey Lynn, who does a great job for Sports Illustrated. The Lakers have faced 11 teams this season who played the Clippers the night before. The Clippers faced just four teams who played the Lakers the night before. The Lakers had the fewest back-to-backs in the NBA. Clippers had the second most back-to-backs in the NBA. So anybody that's crying foul over the Lakers having to go play Utah and then play the Clippers to round out their road trip, do not feel bad for them because the Lakers are the ones that got the second game of a back-to-back several times after the Clippers got the front end. And the Clippers had all those back-to-backs, so the Lakers did not have as many. So, don't want to hear it. The Clippers came out with a lot of energy, which is what we were hoping to see. I tweeted before the game that the Clippers had not shown us all year, basically, that they had not, they hadn't shown us all year that they've been able to beat a team that has been healthy. And we saw a Lakers team that was with Anthony Davis, was with LeBron James. We knew that they were going to play. And the Clippers took care of business, which was very surprising. And for those of you that have listened to this podcast, you know I've been pretty negative throughout the season, and we outlined many reasons last podcast why that has been the case. But we showed, we saw t- uh, yesterday, Matt, why this team continues to give us hope because the performance performance is just like that. Perfor- performance is just like that, and yes, of course, the Lakers were coming off in overtime back to back in Utah in altitude. Boo-hoo. Happens to everyone. If I have to hear the term schedule loss uh, in reference to this game again, I might scream. Uh, if, it was, if it was such a schedule loss, then, then sit your players. Then you're going to lose anyway if, you were, if, you were, if that was the only reason that you lost. I don't buy it. Whatever. Happens to everybody. But the Clippers came out. Gangbusters. Uh, Russ took it, into, took it into his own hands early. Just the energy was fantastic, and it carried throughout the game. The energy was fantastic. And the substitution patterns, the rotations, it finally made sense. Everything sort of sort of gelled. Um, 
and I, I was super pleased to what I saw. And hopefully it's a sign of things moving forward as now the Clippers can perhaps most likely avoid the dreaded plan. Not for sure, but most likely. Let's talk about that first before we get into the actual performance that we saw yesterday. So for those of you that have not been play- paying close attention to the standings, here's where we are going into tomorrow's games as the Clippers right now are sitting in that five spot tied with Golden State. And then in the seven spots, the Lakers one game back of the two teams and the Pelicans are one game back of the two teams. Now, if I have this correct, the Clippers now have the tiebreaker over the Warriors, um, which is surprising to me, by the way. But the Clippers have the tiebreaker there, and they've got it over the Lakers as well because of the wins that they've had over them during the regular season. They do not have them, the tiebreaker, against the New Orleans Pelicans. So the most likely scenario to me kind of seems like the Clippers will end up with a five seed because you would need to lose one of those next two games against Portland or Phoenix and then have the Pelicans lose one of their next couple games in order to guarantee that you won't slip into that play-in tournament. So it's a very slippery slope, Matt, where the Clippers right now are hoping that Golden State can win their final two games if the Clippers do want to slip to that sixth spot while also hoping the Pelicans can maybe, I mean, can lose one of their next two. Um, it's very difficult because you look at everybody's schedules remaining. And for the Clippers, we know that coming up, they're going to have to play against Portland and then they're going to play against Phoenix and it'll be a back-to-back. Now, what the Clippers do with that back-to-back, I think really depends on what happens in the next couple of days. And the most important game is that one tomorrow and that is against the Knicks for the Pelicans, and that is a Friday game, and then Sunday they play against Minnesota on the road. So it's possible the Pelicans can lose one of their next two, but that's why the game was so important um, for the Clippers when they face New Orleans, so that they can try and get that tiebreaker, or rather they can try and get that game up on the Pelicans. So it's confusing. Um <laughs> but it, it it really seems to me, I mean, you, you can't sit and try and predict how the final two games are going to play out for the Clippers, for the Warriors, for the Lakers, for the Pelicans. It, it's not really worth it um, to try and figure out how it's going to play out. But the first order of business certainly is tomorrow's game with the Pelicans against the Knicks. And if the Clippers see that the Pelicans lost, then they can kind of figure out their own destiny from there a little bit. Um, obviously, it depends on the Warriors as well. So, anything that I just said make any sense whatsoever to you, Matt? Well, my head is spinning. Obviously, that's a lot of information, and it's a lot of what ifs and what can happen. The Pelicans against the Knicks, huge. Interesting uh, tidbit the Warriors. So, they play the Kings tomorrow, um, and I have it here uh, from Underdog that Keegan Murray, Kevin Herter, Demonis Sabonis, and Darren Fox are all questionable to play tomorrow. Mm. So, if all of those players sit, then the Warriors may have an easier path to beating the Kings. And then, of course, on Sunday, the King or the Warriors close out the season against the Blazers, who the Clippers play on Saturday. So it's not unlo- it's not impossible that the Warriors will win both of their next two games. That's only if they want to, and depending on who they play and who they sit. So there could be jockeying for position all over the place. It really starts with the Pelicans uh, tomorrow. Like if they lose to the Knicks, then it's really down to Warriors Clippers for that five six, and just figuring out jockeying for position. I have, I have a few uh, 
from playoffstatus.com, it, they have the Clippers as a 63% chance to make it into the five, mm-hmm. 17% chance for the six seed, whereas the Warriors, 17% chance for the five, 33 for the six, and 23 for the seven. So it does seem to be that the Clippers are the overall favorites, at least sitting right now where they are, to get the fifth seed and play uh, the Suns in the first round, which I know there's a lot of doom and gloom, a lot of dread about it, but I... And I think I've said this before. I don't really, I don't think I fear the Suns perhaps as much as others do. I really don't. I think the Clippers, you know, we don't know Paul George's status, but we can only assume he's not going to play mm-hmm. in all, all of, if not most of that series. But I do think that the Clippers stand a chance to take down the dreaded Suns, should it be the 4 5 matchup. Yeah. And I mean, if you're going to face the Suns, I'd rather do it earlier rather than later because they're still trying to figure out how their pieces are fitting and you just wonder what they're going to do in their final couple of games. Cause they're playing right now and they're locked into that four spot. So for them, the rest of these games really mean absolutely nothing for them um, because they can't get to the three spot and they can't fall back to that five spot. So they're playing right now against Denver who sit is sitting everybody. And then they play tomorrow against the Lakers. I would assume that they sit everybody in that game against the Lakers Um, since it is a back-to-back, and then they go and perhaps play their starters for a half um, against the Clippers. The only thing with Phoenix is that normally you would think, all right, they would probably limit their starters minutes, but Kevin Durant hasn't been back for very long. So the question is, how long do you want to have to incorporate KD into that team? Like, what's the fine balance that Phoenix is going to try and find between getting Kevin Durant minutes and getting reps with these guys and getting the chemistry there and also protecting your players from getting minutes that are completely unnecessary because you're already locked into the four spots. So that's something that for sure we're going to watch. Um, but the way the Clippers schedule is built, it, they're going to be facing two teams that they're going to be favorites against um, just the way the cookie's going to crumble here. It, it really seems like that's going to be the case because I would be shocked if Phoenix plays their guys more than a half in that game. Um, the final game of the season. So the Clippers certainly, like you said, are the favorites for that five spot and they'll play against Phoenix and Phoenix and the Clippers may bench everybody in that game because neither team wants to show their hand. It's essentially game zero um, of the series and neither team's going to want to show anything. So I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing guys like Brandon Boston Jr. get a ton of run in that ball game and see guys like Bones Highland get the start. Um, but again, there, there's really no point in trying to predict any of this right now because it all depends on what happens tomorrow with the Pelicans game and then again what happens on Saturday uh, for the Clippers as well. So it sure looks like the Clippers are going to play in that five spot, though. Or they're going to land in that five spot and play against Phoenix. One thing we can predict, and I do think Phoenix is going to sit everyone. Um, I think they probably will err on the side of caution just because, you know, Durant got hurt in warmups, you know, for goodness sake. So that, I, yeah. I think that they would be wise to to rest uh, and just get practices in um, rather than risk any injury right before the playoffs. But one thing we can say for certain is if you're right and on that Sunday it's a sit fest and all the Clippers uh, bench is playing and all the Suns bench is playing, like you said, Brandon Boston comes in or Amir Coffey, there's going to be so many calls for, wait a minute, is is is, is BBJ going to, should he be playing in the Playoffs should coffee be starting in the play? You know, you know, it's, you know what's going to happen is that there's going to be a groundswell of wait a minute, Brandon, he might need minutes in this playoff series now, which we'll all have to hold our horses and say no, no, no. 
they will not need minutes in the playoffs. We'll get into that because I had a nice little <laughs> back and forth earlier today with uh, my friend Adam Osland, who does a tremendous job on AM570 um, as the pre, half, and post game guy for the Clippers. He is a friend of the podcast, does a great job for 213 Hoops and the Clippers pod that he's got there. Um, because we had a nice little conversation about Bones Highland because people that have been listening to this podcast know oh. that I have said that Bones is a guy that everybody's overreacting to and is not going to play very much come playoff time. So we'll get into that. Um, but I'll tie a bow on this one. The positive thing here is that it sure looks like the Clippers have avoided the play-in and we have been banging the drum as loud as possible all season, Matt, that the Clippers need to avoid the play-in tournament and I have no freaking idea how they have with all these crazy losses throughout the season in games that they've given away and with the inability to beat teams that they're better than. But the, we're here, man. We are here. The Clippers have, with one more win, have basically avoided the play-in tournament. And so kudos to the Clippers. I'm very happy about that because guess what? I would much rather be the five seed and play against the Suns and have a chance here than be in the play-in tournament and possibly lose before you even get a chance to get into the actual playoffs. So uh, I'd rather be that. I understand that some people are like, oh, well, you have a better chance of winning if you're the seven seed. Yeah, but I, I don't want to have those two games um, or the one or two games that you got to play beforehand. We saw Kawhi played 43 minutes last night or 42 minutes. I, I just don't want to see that again in a must-win game. And then he's burned out for a series. So we got here, Matt. We got here and we've looks like we've avoid, officially avoided the play-in tournament. Yeah, and look what happened last year. Uh, Clippers are in the play-in tournament. They yeah. lose the first game, and then Paul George goes into health and safety protocols. Anything can happen, and yeah. it's a one-to-two one game elimination or a one-game elimination at that point. You don't want that. So avoiding the play-in is good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, and I get it that Denver is going to be a tough opponent um, in the second round. But that being said, like, are we 100% sure it's going to be Denver? Like, can the Lakers maybe be the team that's the eight seed? Um, like that's possible. And is it possible that the Pelicans end up being a team that could be a little bit feisty in the playoffs? I mean, you never know. And I just don't want to try and predict things and say, you know what, let's try and make the path easier. Like, listen, if the Clippers can get to the sixth spot, I'm all about that. I'd much rather face Sacramento, um, than face off against Phoenix. Like I understand like Phoenix certainly is a team that has not quite figured it out. But at the same time, like I'd rather play Sacramento. But that being said, like I'd rather be one through six than be in that play in tournament because it, it just it's a bad look for the franchise if you have to end up going into that play in tournament and not make the actual playoffs again like the Clippers did last year. It just looks bad. I, I just don't think that's the type of vibes that you want with this team. That's not the type of um just it, it just looks bad going into the postseason. I'm going into the offseason. I'd rather just have a playoff spot secured if if that makes sense. Yeah, and if the Clippers are going to be considered any type of a serious contender, like you said, the fact of the matter is you have to go through teams like the Suns, like the Nuggets, like whoever whoever's in front of you, that's the that's the opponent. And and I do think it would be a terrible look, a terrible risk to be in the play-in. So five, six, either way, I'm I'm good with it. Rather play the Kings, but I'm not deathly afraid of the Suns. I think, by the way, your heat just kicked on because all of a sudden it sounds like you're going through a warp speed tunnel. Um, so just a heads up there. For anybody that's listening and wondering why all of a sudden 
Matt, it sounded like in the background that he was shooting through uh, the t- space and fighting through all of the different planets as he uh, went through space. And that's, that's, that's why. So just letting you know, Matt, just in case anybody's listening. Um, but let's move on to the actual game itself yesterday because... Okay. I mean, I did tell Commander Riker to engage. Maybe that's what you heard <laughs> in the background. But anyway, we'll go ahead. Let's talk about the game. Um, let's talk first about Westbrook because... You mentioned it earlier, um, what Westbrook did to set the tone early. And if you look at Westbrook's numbers and you say, oh, he only played 21 minutes, like he he didn't really do that much. No, he was really good early and he hit a couple big threes. He was trash talking, pointing to LeBron. Um, he set the tone with the energy the Clippers needed in that first quarter. And we've seen Westbrook do that this season. And he has bought in to this team and you got to tip your cap to him because you could have easily seen a game like this, Matt be one where he was reckless. He was out of control. He was trying to prove a point, but he still played within the system and he was able to help the Clippers out a lot in that first quarter. So your thoughts on Russell Westbrook. And he totally could have pouted when he was sitting um, for yeah. most of the for the second half and all throughout the fourth quarter, you know, but he was up there, first guy up on the bench. He was even talking some junk to the Lakers bench while he was on the bench during timeouts and what have you. So I feel like he is totally bought in. Uh, Ty Lue has him playing great and 21 minutes. I got to tell you, that's what we want from Westbrook. Come in, start off with a with just a, bu- a burst of energy. And then when it really comes down to crunch time, cheer your guys on, like unless we really need another burst of energy if we're behind. But I think the way that he's bought in, the way that Tyloo is using him and his talents uh, has, has actually worked out obviously far better than I thought it was going to. And if this is what we're going to see moving forward from Westbrook, you know, about 20 to 22 minutes, 2023 per game, I'm all for it. And he had a double digit quarter. He scored 10 points in that first quarter. And for the Clippers, they had someone scoring double figures in every single quarter. And it just shows you how they've got the ability on this team to have guys who can step up in place of Kawhi Leonard, who by the way, was not one of those guys that you would point to the entire game and say, okay, just give him the ball the entire time. Like he'll take care of us. Like you look through first, second, third, fourth quarter. It was Russell Westbrook in the first. Norman Powell had double figures in the second and the third. And then Bones Highland had double figures in the fourth. And the, the supporting cast, which has been something we've talked about all season, that the Clippers have, and some games it just disappears, and some games it pops up. And for this game, the supporting cast was certainly there. And how often have we talked about recently, Matt, the three-point shooting? that the key really is the three-point shooting. And the Clippers shoot 44% from three yesterday. They were 16 of 36. I believe the Clippers had 11 made threes, if I remember correctly, in the first half. Uh, They were just going bombs away from distance. And we have seen that if the Clippers are hot from three, they're going to win games. And they did a great job yesterday. And by the way, the Clippers now have secured their 12th straight winning season which is the longest active streak in the NBA and tied for the seventh longest streak in NBA history, according to Tomara Zarli, fantastic guy from Clutch Point. So uh, that goes to our earlier conversation with the Clippers and how they avoid the play-in. It's another winning season, and for the Clippers, you got to appreciate that. But Westbrook's certainly been a part of it recently. It didn't look good when the Clippers lost their first five when Westbrook was at the scene, at the helm, but... He's done a nice job recently. And another guy that he's worked well with is Ivica Zubats. And 
17 points, 13 rebounds for Zoo yesterday with a block shot, and he defended Anthony Davis really well. He got some help. There were some rumors that Ty Lue said he's going to go one-on-one against AD, but there was some certainly some help that uh, Zoo was getting. But we've talked about on this podcast that Zoo needs to get his minutes because not only is he great defensively, but he gets you offensive rebounds. He had four offensive rebounds yesterday, a couple of big ones late, and he's that guy that gives you a presence down low that was huge in that ball game yesterday, Matt. 33 minutes for Zoo, and I'm, I'm so happy that you mentioned Zoo because I know in the last pod and in many we were talking, or I, I was saying that I, I really, every time I see Plumlee out on the floor, when Tyloo goes small, I want Zoo back in there. I always feel like he's missing out there. And to get 33 minutes of Zoo, 14 of Plumlee, which means barely any, almost no small ball minutes whatsoever, mm-hmm. uh, is a is a great thing to see. I love that minutes distribution of 30 mid 30s for Zoo, and then get Plumlee in there a little bit to spell him, because Zoo is fantastic. His presence, uh, his offensive game is underrated. He's ambidextrous. He was throwing hooks with both hands. Footwork is great. And then just grabbing those boards, like he said, four big offensive rebounds, a block, two steals. Uh, he was he was excellent from the line as well, five of six. So you can't, can't really ask much more of, out of a Zoo game. I, I loved what I saw, and I liked that Ty Lue was playing him, playing him down the stretch. Uh, not keeping him on the bench for too long, not saving him. Like we needed Zoo in there, and he was in there. Thirty-three minutes. You love it. So apparently, Ty Lu told Zoo as soon as the team returned from the road trip that he's going to stagger him to come back with the reserves to start the second quarter, and that's why we only saw Zoo play about half of that first quarter yesterday because they wanted to have Zoo come back in with the with the subs. And we talked about that in this podcast. We talked about how it would make sense that if you're going to go ahead. And in the second quarter, you're going to have these guys on the floor that are about scoring. You need to have somebody on the floor that's going to defend. And Zoo certainly helps make up for the poor defense from the guards, um, guys like Norm Powell and Eric Gordon when they're on the floor. And so a really smart adjustment there by Ty Lue. And the reason why they did that was to prevent the kind of second quarter meltdowns um, that led to losses against Memphis and New Orleans. And it makes sense because the Clippers had poor second quarters. And you think about that second quarter against New Orleans where they think the Clippers got outscored like 33-13 or something. It was awful. And this is a way to combat that is to start a guy in zoo in the second quarter who can defend. And so this game was the perfect recipe for success for zoo because you got him to go ahead and play in that second quarter and help out your defense. We saw heavy minutes for zoo and you're spot on with that adding up in numbers, 33 plus 14, that's 47 of the 48 minutes of that game yesterday. A center was on the floor, which means very little small ball. And I, I'm I'm going to continue to bang this drum as well. The Clippers should not be playing very much small ball at all throughout the postseason. You need to rely on Zoo. If you need buckets late, maybe, maybe you go to small ball then. But you still need a guy who can rebound the basketball when you're playing defense. And that's why Zoo makes a lot of sense. And the final thing for Zoo is that I tweeted yesterday that I really want to see Zoo on the floor with Batum when Kawhi sits in that fourth quarter. Well, Kawhi never sat, but Batum and Zoo came on the floor, and it really helped the Clippers defensively. Batum may have not made very many shots. He missed six of seven from the field yesterday, but he still was really good defensively, and he and Zoo are a very, very good defensive combo, and I'm glad to see them get a lot of minutes together yesterday. An incredible 
defensive combo. And yeah, the the offense wasn't there. If you look at the box score, you'd say, well, that wasn't a great game. If you watch the game, it was an amazing game from Batum. I loved what he was doing out there. And I'm I'm so happy that you mentioned uh, our good friend Norman Powell, because I haven't got to do this in a really long time. <clears throat> a little tea here. Norm was back in full effect. I was a little frustrated at first because he kept driving and trying to draw these fouls, and he didn't get the first couple of calls. So I thought he wasn't going get to get any calls for the remainder of the game. And boy, was I wrong because he was 10 of 10 from the line, and he was was huge. He was the offensive spark that we were really, really hoping that he would be. He also played the entire fourth quarter along with Bones and Kawhi, like we mentioned. Uh, Norm was great out there, aggressive. You know, it, when when uh, when possessions would wind down and it, it was sort of a breakdown in the offense, if, the, if they didn't kick it to Kawhi, they were actually mostly kicking it to Norm and fig- let him figure out to do something. The clock. I loved what I saw out there from him, and uh, it's pretty encouraging if he's going to be this aggressive and especially this efficient. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at what Norm Powell has brought to this team, is that when they're not able to find something offensively, they're able to give the ball to Norm, and he's able to at least get to the free throw line to get them some points. And like you said, he was not getting the calls at all early on yesterday, but he was able to get them later on, and he ended up being in double figures, I believe, in the second and third quarters, and he was pivotal to the Clippers' success. And... This once again kind of goes along with what we've seen with load management and with the Clippers taking care of their stars when hurt. And Norm Powell's not a star, but Norm was sitting out because of his injury and he came back and he was able to play very heavy minutes and you end up taking care of those guys like Kawhi for moments like yesterday where they're healthy and as angry as it makes us and as many times as I've said that it's frustrating, it's it then reaps the rewards in games like this. We were able to play Kawhi an entire half of basketball because you've been able to take care of him earlier in the season. And with Norm Powell, you're able to take care of him and make sure he's healthy before bringing him back. And you bring him back and he's able to be a huge contributor for this game. So kudos to the Clippers training staff. Yesterday was certainly a win for them. Um, in the department of Kawhi Leonard and Norm Powell. And like you said, it was great to see Norm Powell do what he did. Um, I don't think that he's going to be playing 35 minutes come playoff time. I think it's a lot of minutes to play him. Uh, But nonetheless, Norm Powell certainly had a big game. So I'm glad you're able to do your uh, little Norm there because he was fantastic in the second and third quarters. Now, do you have anything anything to add about Norm or can we move to Bones? Let's let's move it over to Bones. All right. Let's talk about Bones Highland. Um, So I mentioned earlier briefly that I was talking to Adam Osland on Twitter, and he basically was asking me, are are you taking back what you were saying about Norm? I mean, about Bones. And I said on this podcast that Bones Highland is being um, overrated and that Clippers fans tend to jump on a guy when he has a couple of good games. And I've said this plenty of times in this podcast that Musa Diabate, for example, is uh, is one guy, for example... Um, but Bones Highland has shown that in the games he's good, he provides massive energy off the bench, which really we have only seen from guys like Terrence Mann and Russell Westbrook. This is an old, old team. And because of that, you don't see the athleticism or the speed from very many guys. But Bones Highland yesterday was someone that was able to shine in a moment when the Clippers 
needed buckets badly. The Clippers were absolutely dreadful in that third quarter. I think the Clippers only had five made field goals in the entire quarter, and that one of them came very late with that Mason Plumlee um, bucket. So it was basically four for the entire third quarter, if I do my math correctly. Bones Highland came in and provided juice that the Clippers, frankly, do not really have on their roster. Now, do I think that means he's going to be a part of the Clippers' playoff rotation? Not every game. Um, I think it also depends on PG's health. If Rocco is indeed going to be a DNP CD and PG is going to be out, which both of those seem like they're very possible, especially the PG one, then I do think we see Bones Highland because he is a guy that, like I said, can provide that scoring, can provide that juice. If you look at the Clippers roster, they only played nine yesterday. In the postseason, you're going to play eight to nine guys. And so we'll see if Bones Highland has his minutes reduced because you saw yesterday Russell Westbrook only played 21 minutes. That is, by the way, a very good number. Um, I don't think Westbrook should be playing 30 minutes a game. But at the same time, Bones Highland's usually not going to play the entire fourth quarter. So I think it's more likely you see Westbrook closer to 25, 26, and you see Highland closer to about 15 minutes. I think that is what will make sense in the postseason. But again, it's game to game. It's what you need in the moment. And Terrence Mann only played 19 minutes yesterday. I think you're going to see him play closer to 20 plus. Now, will he? Hopefully. Um, it all depends on Ty Lue. But the Clippers usually succeed when T-Man plays a lot of minutes. So that that's my thoughts um, on Bones Highland because I did feel like I wanted to address this one because I know people are saying, Brandon, you you, you think uh, Bones Highland sucks? Like, you don't think that he's going to be a part of the rotation? Like, listen, I don't think he sucks. I think he's a young project on this team. And I think the Clippers just have other guys like Mann and Powell and Gordon and Westbrook that are going to get minutes over him. But he does provide something on this team that not many other guys do, and that's the juice and that's the being able to drain a three and get hot and get downhill and not be afraid. So uh, I do think that Bones Highland certainly has a role on this team. What do you, what do you think about Bones? Yeah, and there, yeah. There's nothing and there's nothing wrong with praising Bones and with wanting him to play. He was undeniable yesterday. He and T Man actually were flying. That energy. They were both so fast, notably so so over guys like Westbrook, Kawhi, like you were saying, Batum. So I I do love Bones. But you and I said um, as recent as the last podcast. When it comes to the playoffs, his minutes will most likely be reduced overall. Will there be a Bones game? Maybe. Most likely, if he's going to play like this. There could be that Bones game, right? But I don't know if it's going to be Bones games, where he's sort of taking minutes away from the T-mans. Like you said, the Westbrooks, even though we both love that 21-minute number, I love it. Mm-hmm. But there's only so many, so many minutes that he can play in a series, and especially depending on the opponent, I think. I think he'd be more likely to get minutes against a fast offensive driven team like the Kings rather than the Suns who are not defensive stalwarts by any, any stretch of the imagination but they're not as quick as as the uh, as the Kings are so his skill set may be a little more useful against a team like the Kings we'll have to see what Ty Lue likes to do and and speaking of Ty Lue and and in regards to Bones there is no telling what Lou will do in a in a playoff series. If you remember in 2021, in the sixth game or the two series before Kawhi got hurt, Dallas and Utah, I think we had three different starting lineups just in those one and a half series alone before Kawhi got hurt. So there will be mixing and matching. 
come playoff time, I don't think Bones will ever be inserted into the starting lineup uh, unless there's some sort of catastrophe. But I do think he'll see his time. I'm probably about with you. He'll 12 to 15, and that'll probably be the ceiling unless he's going off and we need it. He'll seed more of those minutes to T-Man. And then if Paul George makes his way back, even more of those minutes may get drained. I do think it's a little matchup dependent, depending on the speed and the defensive prowess of the opponent. But it's undeniable how well Bones played last night. And it's pretty much since he's come over to the Clips, he obviously missed a couple of defensive assignments that didn't come to bite him in the butt, but he did do some some switches that he wasn't supposed to yesterday on a couple of times. And that's why I think against a slower team who's going to set up their half-court offensive sets, he could be a little bit more of a liability on that end. But I do love what Bones did out there. And we will see him in the playoffs, just probably not as much as people would have championed after last night's performance. Yeah, and give credit to Ty Lue for sticking with him um, in a game that the Clippers really needed, oh, yeah. needed to win. And they saw, he saw what Bones was bringing to the team, and he rode him. I mean, yesterday he really rode the guys that were doing well. I mean, he stuck Norm Powell in there for a very long time. He nearly played like 18 straight minutes, and then you had Kawhi play the entire half. You had Bones play the entire fourth quarter. Like, he stuck with guys that got them to where they were in that position. And Bones certainly provided a lot, and you mentioned – that he could be a guy that could be in a game against the Kings with the speed back and forth. At the same time, you could also make the case that he would make a lot of sense against the Suns because he would force Chris Paul to move his ass. And, I mean, you would put a lot of pressure on Chris Paul with a Bones Highland running up and down the floor. Uh, so you can look at it Ooh, from that. From Chris, that. Paul would, Chris Paul would torture him in the <laughs> That's the only <laughs> on thing. The exactly. That's the only thing is that then you have to defend Chris Paul, and Chris is crafty as hell, and he would make Bones do some silly stuff. And uh, as good as Bones was yesterday, if he doesn't have his shot and he's a little erratic and he's driving to the hoop and he's out of control, he can also hurt you. So it, we will probably see that Bones game in the postseason – but at the same time, let's not all of a sudden assume that he's going to be playing a lot of minutes because there are going to be mouths to feed in the postseason. And everybody wants Batum to play. They want Kawhi to play. They want Zoo to play. And you also want to have guys like Gordon and Norm Powell and Terrence Mann get their minutes. And let's also not forget that Marcus Morris hasn't appeared yet. I would assume that Marcus Morris is probably out of the rotation at this point. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to bring him in. I don't know where he fits with this team. The only time I could see him playing is if the Clippers do go to that small ball and you have Batum and Morris in there as opposed to having Plumlee play. Perhaps you have Morris in there as well. So that that is a possibility. But the team that we saw yesterday, I think, is the team that makes the most sense without Paul George. Now, once Paul George is back, different story. We'll talk about that when we need to. But the minutes yesterday, Batum playing 30, Kawhi playing 43, Zoo playing 33, Westbrook playing 21. Like, those minutes are pretty close to what you're going to see in the postseason. At least that's what you hope that you're going to see in the postseason. You want Kawhi probably be closer to about 41, 40. Um, but Zoo will probably play about 30-plus when if the, Ty Lue is being smart there. And like you said, you'll see Plumlee at about that 14, 15-minute mark. And that then... Who knows with the guards? It's just about who gets hot. But I'm glad to see Bones do what he did. And now we'll see what that means for the Clippers um, in these final couple of games and in the postseason and what makes sense in a series against the Suns. Because I do continue to think that Terrence Mann should be playing a bigger role than what he has played. 
and only playing 19 minutes yesterday. He wasn't really needed in that fourth quarter. Um, so I'll ho- I'd hope that Terrence Mann would play more of a role come uh, the postseason. And T-Man's defensive mobility, especially in that half-court set that we're talking about um, with the Suns, not that the Suns don't run, but of course with Chris, they don't run as much. And I think T-Man's defensive malleability, the way he moves and can switch, uh, sep- that's a little bit different from having Bones out there. It's even a little bit different from having Westbrook out there. So T-Man uh, gaining some more minutes as the de facto point guard at times against the Suns I think is going to be huge. And I do think he's going to get more minutes than he did last night. It was just like you said, Bones was hot. He was going, and T and T Lou, to his credit, like you said, rode the uh, rode the hot hand, and it paid off. Yeah, and also for the Clippers, um, you look at the minutes that Eric Gordon got yesterday, and he only played twenty three minutes. You're probably going to see him play some more minutes than that um, come the postseason. Now you're probably not going to see Norm Powell play 35. So perhaps you see Eric Gordon get closer to 26, 27 Powell get closer to 31, something around that. But again, it's going to vary game to game. You're not going to see something exact, but we saw yesterday a very good blueprint of what the Clippers are going to possibly do in the postseason with a couple of minutes being thrown around here and there to different guys um, to kind of look more what we're going to see in the postseason. But yesterday was a very good blueprint to what we'll see come playoff time and the Clippers got a win that was that they needed to get. It was a very important win. Sure. They won by seven, but they dominated that game and it was a game that they had to win and they got it. So I'm thrilled to see the Clippers put a performance like that. And it makes me happy going into these final couple games. And you talk about looks as, as for the team where falling into the play in is a bad look for the team and for the organization winning a game like this that you said is a must 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 win this late in the season with so much on the line is a great look for the team for the organization for the coaching staff for the players and it's a great look moving into the playoffs that other teams can look at and say okay okay this Clippers team could be for real and nope nope everybody's gonna have to take us seriously in in a matchup so what's next? The Clippers have Portland on Saturday. They've got Phoenix on Sunday. And then we will know where the Clippers will stand um, heading into the postseason, who they will face. And we will come back with a preview, most likely on Sunday night as we look ahead to the postseason into who the Clippers will face. And then we will have a couple of days to sit back and relax before we go ahead and enter the playoffs as the Clippers, after missing out yesterday, last year, um, losing in the play-in tournament, look like they are headed to at least a five or six seed, um, which is exciting, and I'm thrilled to see it. So, Matt Mattawarren, at Matt Mattawarren on Twitter. Of course, if you can rate and review the podcast, if you give us that five-star rating, review it as well. Leave, drop a review. We always read them. At Ethos Clippers on Twitter, at BD Marcus for myself. Any other final words that you got you want to uh, throw out there, Matt, on uh, either the yesterday's performance or what lies ahead? All right, I'll do it one more time. Norm! There you go. So for Matt, I am Brandon. Until next time, go Clips. Go Clips.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.